I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project, and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on all the socials, at Potabing, and if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glow.fm slash Potabing. To play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guest on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights, DM at Potabing on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is a conversation I had with Sofia Milos a couple months ago. She played Annalisa on the show, a.k.a. a woman boss. Let me try that again. A.k.a. a woman boss. That's a little better. Sophia called in to share her soprano story and more. Annalisa was a remarkable character, and it was great to connect with Sophia and hear what she had to say about the whole experience. Hope everybody's having a great week. Here's me talking to Sophia. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being a part of this and for uh, going down memory lane a little bit with me today. Thank you for having me. So tell listeners your soprano story. How did it happen? How did it happen? Actually, I was in Italy. Um... I was in Rome at the time, and a casting director, Shia Rubin, which was the biggest casting director in Italy, who is no longer with us, she was brilliant, uh, cast uh, some of the best movies. She called me in. She had called Francesca Neri, Monica Bellucci, Maria Grazia Cucino, no, not Maria Grazia, just Francesca Neri. Monica Bellucci and myself in for this role, among other names that I probably don't know. And within a few hours, I got the call from uh, my agency, Willie Morris, at the time um, that I had gotten the part. Incredible. So you, yeah, I, one of my questions that I always ask people is, do you know anybody else that was in the room with you? And Monica Bellucci is a big name. So you had some, it was a pretty important role, as you are well aware, and, and there were some big names that were involved in that as well. Of course, it changed a lot of things. I can see that, you know, uh, seven years since CSI Miami, and yet, three episodes on Sopranos. I, I have just as many friends and followers from, let's say, the Sopranos club family, right? Uh, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's wonderful. It's crazy. But that's the brilliance of David Chase because it's not just about a well-done show um, with the right sense of humor, even though through crime. Kind of like, you know, there's only few that know how to do that. You're looking at you're looking at the works of uh, Quentin Tarantino, like, <laughs> right. and, and you wonder how he how he can get away with murder, and everybody laughs in the room. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so David Chase had just the brilliance of so many things that I'll, I'll be telling you also about that I have have impressed me, and I still remember for many years. Um, <clears throat> uh, I also think that the character as a woman boss. It sort of changed uh, the ways uh, strong women were perceived from there on. He really opened that up 
along with me. He gave me the opportunity that she doesn't have to be, you know, uh, either old or butch uh, or, you know, not, not feminine, in other words, just because she's powerful. And at the time, that's what you would see. You would see women that were power, they were in pants and butch and being something that's other than what we really are. And he gave me the opportunity to show women as well we are, very powerful, very strong, in a skirt, just as we are, and as feminine as we are. Mm, well said. And, you know, another thing to kind of echo your point, you, you know, you we spend very little time with Annalisa in the, in the grand scheme of the show. But one of the amazing things about the show is that new characters are introduced and we're immediately connected to them. We feel something, um, mm-hmm. they have their stage mm-hmm. to shine and they become an indelible part of the tapestry. And Annalisa was no different. Mm-hmm. Was all of the work done in Naples? No, just uh, one... One episode was done in uh, Naples. Okay. Which was so much fun. With the cast, we'd be singing on the 18th hour on set. We'd be singing because those episodes were a little longer than the usual amount of episodes. Yeah. Um, and a, a usual amount of days. So we were there for, you know, with the with weekend, probably a couple of weeks, and usually you do an episode in eight days. So... Uh, I remember Tony Tirico himself, uh, uh, Michael, uh, look, we, we'd be singing Neapolitan songs, and we just never got tired. I never got tired. It was so much fun. I love it. What memories are you comfortable sharing about your time spent with James? Oh, you know, for a man this size, he certainly was a teddy bear very generous as a, as a, as a actor, uh, towards his co-stars, a gentleman. Uh, those are the things that for sure I remember, you know? So the thing, the thing that the role he did in the, in the size and the height, he was towering over me. You think that now he was the kindest and sweetest man. He didn't live that way. The biggest ones are the, <laughs> are the teddy bears in the room. <laughs> That's true. Or sometimes I just, I just worked with someone who played my bodyguard and he was towering over me by, by about two feet and he's another total teddy bear. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned this in the beginning, but I kind of want to get your like fully fleshed thought on it. A woman boss is a concept Tony wrestles with in the show. What's your take on whether there could or should be a woman boss in that thing of theirs, in that world? Oh, absolutely. There's a big difference. First of all, there's a big difference between Mafia and Camorra. And I know in the States where women would, People would just say, uh, uh, oh, she was the mafia boss. Oh, my God, look at the mafia. You, you remember the mafia boss? Well, it's not the mafia boss. The mafia is Sicilian. It's the Camorra boss. Camorra is the Neapolitan, so to say, mafia. And mafia, the word mafia is Sicilian. So there is a very big difference between the Sicilian and the Camorra. In the Sicilian, women stay quiet. Don't hear, don't see, don't talk. And uh, when someone dies or is imprisoned, the next one or the right arm would take over. In the Camorra, it's the women. It's the women that take over. Mm. It's the wife, the daughter. 
And uh, in fact, uh, in that scene in Naples, uh, one of the scenes at least, I, I he's looking, he, he can't fathom that he has to deal with me, right? Right. And in, in that uh, golf scene where he says, a fucking woman boss. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell him that he needs to talk to me. And um, because in, when a, a husband is in prison, um, and he's never coming back, which is what I say, and the father is seen on a wheelchair. That's a woman takes over. It's not the right hand man. That's for real. So Tim Duncan, who was the director, brilliant, brilliant director. I remember he he gave me this book, Women of Mafia, and Camorra, Women of Mafia in general. And it was this thick book, and I loved it. There is. Some brilliant women in history that were bosses. Brilliant not because of the crimes they've done, <laughs> but brilliant because they just happen to be on the wrong side of the law. The, the, the law. But if you just take their their way, their power, their leadership, um, leadership, their way of being, poof, some amazing women, some amazing women, for real, like in history. I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of my theories about the show, like the aftermath, if there was a sequel to The Sopranos, is that Meadow, Tony's daughter, would be the best person to sort of run the operation if, you know, if it plays out. And that, and I'm, and one of the theories that I cling to, or one of the basis for that theories is that book that you mentioned. So thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were, were you a fan of the show? Did you consume it as a viewer? Oh, I, I loved it. I loved the way, I love how specific David Chase was because I worked with him. I mean, even at the time where I did have a, an Italian accent, I mean, I'm Italian, I had an Italian accent. And yet he was very specific of where and how he wanted the Italian accent. He wanted to make sure that he was an Neapolitan accent and not a Northern Italian accent. So unlike any other TV show, you know, where... Uh, things were, um, you know, you see in movies, you see, uh, with big directors, I'm not going to make things now, but you see some actors where they're going to, they, they speak a foreign language because they speak, they're, they're, they're playing Italian, and it just sounds horrendous. So he was very specific on authenticity um, on many levels, on many levels uh, on authenticity, absolutely. So I love Oh, another another thing I loved uh, that David Chase put in, and what I loved about The Sopranos is the sense of humor was very is very specific. Mm. There is a difference between Italians in Italy, and uh, of course Americans who play Italian, right? And Italians, Southern Italians who came to the states at that time. It's very different. So the humor is very different. And that attention to detail was there every step of the way. Oh my, absolutely. Yeah, total attention to detail, total authentic in, in so many levels, in so many things. Um, I know from an Italian family uh, that he had seen a certain, uh, something in, uh, in, uh, in, well, that actually he saw that in Sicily and recreated that same setup in, uh, in Naples of the 
elderly, elder men sitting in the street and just the men sitting there talking. And actually, that's the little scene where he sat into. Right, right. The cameo. Yep. What was it like for you immediately after the commendatory episode aired? Did things get pretty crazy for a while? Was there a Sopranos bump? Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, first of all, at the before Sopranos and my career, I was doing old sitcoms. So I was known for comedy for the first decade. Right. And I had, you know, I'd done Caroline in the City for what of the year and a half or two years. I'd done Captain American for a year. I had done just very uh, friends and the various. I had done some pilots of comedies that didn't, I mean, various. Everything was comedy. And so after The Sopranos, the next decade, that decade was all about drama because suddenly it was like, ah, you know, so that changed for me for sure. What changed and what opened up is um, the pleasure in seeing that it validated a lot of women. I gained so many women uh, following and fans, and understandably so, because it, it validates us. It validates us to that we don't need to be anything different than what we are, and still have the power that we have, which is quite resilient and strong. And uh, you know, we just try to take away or touch uh, a mother's baby, and you know how strong a woman is. Of course. I love that it happened you know, to your character you know, in the early 2000s, and it's so relevant and applicable in today's culture and society, mm-hmm. but his foresight to give mm-hmm. that voice and that power to go toe-to-toe with Tony Soprano like that is, a, is I remember it, it's, it's genius. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely genius. That's why I was so happy that he was open to the idea of what I'd lost. Of course, and, and to um, go there, to go there... Had, had yeah, and let me do that, and yeah. let me be in the direction, let me be, and choose someone that is, brings femininity and strength and power, vulnerability and power, all at the same time as being, you know, and, and accepting that and letting me communicate through my art as well, what I think and how I want to inspire. And so he allowed me to do that, and I think it served him and the show well as well. I, HBO at the time had submitted my character me as for an Emmy nomination. I just didn't know at the time I didn't I know at the time you have to publicize and pursue that and the <laughs> I, politics. I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. It was an amazing performance. And again, and it's one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to you because I've talked to a lot. Thank you very much. Even the roles where you're, where the characters are only in a couple of episodes, um, this was a special one. This is a very, very powerful episode, the commendatory episode, and it's, it's mm-hmm. great, to, great to hear yeah. it through your prism. I probably my favorite uh, episode or one of my favorite episodes, not just because I'm in it, and be, just well, obviously because of what he did, what he created, what he did for women, and what and, and what changed, and how he affected uh, the whole media and perception about women and power. So for me, that part alone, besides the brilliance of the show and the type of actors, and um, oh which makes me think, Michael Imperioli, you know, small world. I'm now on another, on a new show. Uh, I don't know if you, knew, if you know that. I'm on uh, uh, Project Blue Book, Robert Zemeckis' uh, uh, Project Blue Book, with uh, Amy Gillen from uh, Games of Thrones. And 
So guess who I just worked with? Michael Imperioli. Awesome. Yeah, that was great. He just came on. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's long episode or and come back. He's a great guy, and he uh, oh, did, did the podcast as well. Very special guy. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ran into each other at the Los Angeles Italian Film Festival. It was quite wonderful to uh, talk about some memories that we have uh, had in Naples, especially. Couple more questions for you. Um, I'm also a big fan. I noticed that one of the things you did after The Sopranos, big fan of curbed your enthusiasm, and I wondered if there was a story oh, yeah, there. Yeah. How that? How did that project come to be for you? Oh, I I remember. I don't know if I auditioned for that. I can't remember, but I did quite a few episodes on that, didn't I? Um, you know, it's all improv, right? Yeah. It's not scripted. So, again, he's Larry's another very brilliant person. He just gives you the situation, and then uh, you go with it, and you, and. Um, I discovered that I was really good at improv. <laughs> and he had me back, and he had me back again. <laughs> That's a great show that to discover that great. talent, isn't it? It's definitely great. He must have obviously known it, otherwise he was not Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, we probably we might have had a meeting, but there's obviously no audition because there's nothing scripted. So we might have had a, had a meeting where, you know... He might have asked questions and bounced things back and forth. I just don't really remember how it came about. All I remember is how much fun we had. <laughs> I'm sure. I, it's kind of a nerdy question, and I'm kind of a nerd. I just like to know how these things kind of happen. You know, I like to know how the how the stuff gets made. If there's sure. any if there's any magic or insider behind the scenes. Obviously, one of the roles that you're also very well known for is your time on CSI Miami. What can you say about that show, that experience, and also working alongside David Caruso? Oh, well, you know, uh, I did seven years of CSI Miami, three years as a series regular, and four years as a recurring. Um, and what a show. I mean, both, when you're looking at Sopranos and you're looking at CSI Miami, these are called shows. They stay in history forever. Mm-hmm. You don't know when you go on it that it's going to be that way. I did not know, but um, we certainly saw it really quickly. I mean, we had numbers that were insane. Um, when I joined CSI Miami, it was around 15 million viewership. After we did our three-episode arc with that, uh, with that daily closure, because we had the detective Yuli Masala that I was playing, here again, you know, a single woman raising um, her child in a in a job that normally is was dedicated to a man's world, right? Was, um, and so she, you know, interestingly enough, on that show, for instance, I had done quite a bit of research. Uh, with women cops in Miami and drag-alongs and castings and uh, gun ranges. I mean, I did a lot, right, um, to research the role and women, especially women in that field, kind of like I had done on the Sopranos with uh, women in mafia and the book and reading the book and researching about actual women, <clears throat> great personalities, great bosses. 
And in this case, women that really existed and hang out with uh, one specific one that has a child and is in a man's world, and how much more she has to do to get uh, to gain the same respect as a man. So I think that hit home to a lot of people again, a lot of women. And, uh, you know, anytime I see women in power roles nowadays, uh, whatever it is, whether it is me going to see John Wick and see Halle Berry in it and see a woman of 50 that is gorgeous and kicks some major butt, she's just outstanding in it. And along with Keanu Reeves, trains for six months to be physically, uh, you know, a badass. So when I see something like that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because that's, we, we can do that. That's who we are. And she's not butch. She's beautiful. She's feminine. She's a gorgeous woman. So when I have opportunities to do that and affect, affect and inspire, then, then I'm on the right track. Okay? And with Detective Yelena Fellas in a different way, it was that way as well. You know, a show like CSI Miami, it really opened a lot of doors. And at international level, you have a show that is being... Uh, in 183 or 189 countries, the show started with 15 million, as I was saying. By the time we had done our arc of three episodes, uh, where you saw Detective Yelena Salas with uh, Horatio Kane, meaning David Caruso, we jumped to 17.6 million. And I, they, I got a six year contract right then and there uh, because it worked. And, our, and from there on, on our last episode, we were at 19.3 million. That's when I got the contract. So, and we stayed between 19 and 22 million viewership on a weekly basis. That That's incredible. Outstanding. Kind of gives you some context for like a, uh, a a cable series versus a network series. A network series that that t- really takes off. The numbers are gargantuan in uh, in comparison. Yeah, I mean, like the show I'm on right now is amazing, but obviously being on a cable uh, channel, it's not going to have that kind of number. And yet, what the show, I just saw the trailers. It's insane. It's so good. So good. As talent, you mentioned a six-year contract, which is like, obviously, it's a, that's awesome. And like, that's what everybody who's working wants to get. Do you like the idea of being tied up into one project for an extended period of time? Or do you like the, the freedom that comes with some flexibility? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, different times in, the, uh, in my career, I had uh, different desires about that. So that's a great question. Uh, I certainly started off with loving the fact of being on a TV show for many, many, many years. I, uh, um, on, on a prime time network. Yes, I preferred that. And then, you know, then you start to feel it more. You know, I got a little older. <laughs> so 22, 24 episodes a year can wear you down on a drama. It's, 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 it's hard work. People don't know, but it's, it's hard work. Um, some shows uh, that I think of right now, like, you know, The Border, uh, where I play a Homeland Security Special Agent, Bianca Lagarda, which is a Canadian show, and it's, it was mainly distributed in about 40 countries abroad. Um, we would be on set anywhere between 16, 18 hours a day, starting our week at 4 a.m. and then start and then ending the week where you start at 1 p.m. and you end the next morning. So that's a, that's basically a six-day week for it's that's hard. 
Yeah, you have to turn it on too. You're there for 18 hours, but then you actually have to perform mm-hmm. and you have to turn on, you have to flip that switch yeah. and it's not easy. So now, yeah, it's one of your question. Now I prefer uh, a series regular on a uh, cable show. I know the viewership is not the same, but the qualities are wonderful nowadays. I mean, it's just wonderful. Uh, what I'm doing right now on Project Local to Quality is feature film quality. Well, I mean, you have, you know, people like Robert Zemeckis done I'm just producing something It's going to be that way. Of course. Um, you know, um, and that gives me the freedom to do other movies. But right now, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm probably going to be shooting one in, uh, when I'm done with the show. I'll be done going back to Canada in a couple of weeks to continue. Uh, I just wrapped two episodes. I'm going back because uh, I'm joining them. I've joined the cast for season two. Uh, I, I know it's news. I haven't released that news yet. I'm, I'm about to do it today. I think we're going to get it in a trade. And I thought you, you're the first. <laughs> That's very cool. This is a pot yeah. of being, this is a pot of being exclusive. I'm very excited. <laughs> what is the name of the show? And uh, when is it? Do you know, do you have it's any dates? Project Blue Book. Okay. And it's a, uh, the Project Blue Book is actually based on the 1950s. Uh, it, it, it's in the 1950s, and it's based on a, on a real story and real facts. The Blue Book, actually, Project Blue Book is something that exists. If you look it up in Wikipedia, you'll know a little bit more what I'm talking about. But it is uh, it's, uh, the U.S. Air Force create, had created that, um, and it was pretty secretive at the time. Uh, information was never released. Not that it is released now in the show, but the cases are talked about, and Robert Zemeckis got the exclusive on it. So it is about USO, uh, unidentified uh, flying objects findings and how these were justified or not justified. Mm. Very cool. Sophia, thank you so much for being a part of this. Huge fan of your character. And it was great to hear from Annalisa herself. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. 